And boom, we're bloody well live. How the hell are you? Uh, Average Man Podcast, Dave Dave here, Dave 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 here from Average Man Podcast, episode number 157. This is going to be a quick little potty this uh, this time around, mate, today, uh, because I've been out camping this weekend, so I was sort of getting a bit of gear ready on Friday night, and we took off on Saturday morning. It's now Sunday afternoon. I haven't had much prep time, uh, but I just wanted to to hit hit this one um, today because I want to keep the consistency up. So even if it's going to be a quick little, you know, 20 minutes of power or, or something like that, then I think that's just worth doing it to keep the reps up, man, because it's, you know, personal win for me if I can if I can keep on top of the week-by-week week schedule for the rest of the year. It's going to be hard, hard to do. I won't be able to do it all the time, but, you know, I had time to fit it in today. So here we bloody well are. Uh, yeah, I did go out camping last night. Went out with my son and one of his mates and my brother. It was um, it was good. Good to get out of town. Uh, it's the first camping trip for me for the for the year, uh, and it's kind of easy going away with just the just the boys. You know, uh, we we slept in swags. I had my own swag. Um, Shady and his and his mate had their swag. You know, that the, the the kids swag that they shared. Dog slept in with me. Dusty little muppet that she was. And no, it was good. It was good, mate. We went out to the DeGray River camp, um, which is about, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours out of town. Um, and there's still still water there, which is nice, you know. Uh, it was pretty windy around town this weekend, as anyone who's in or from Headland would know. Um, so, you know, it was pretty pretty windy. Didn't want to go out on the coast anywhere. I thought about going to DeGray Station and having a bit of a fish with the lads, but yeah, it was blowing a Gale along the coast this weekend, so we went inland instead to a waterhole. Still, still windy inland, but um, you know we had shelter. We, we were camped in amongst some trees in a little bit of a nook, and you know had access to the water there. Water was cold. I wasn't going in, but the lads went in. The boys went in for a, a splash around and a paddle, which was which was cool, man. And this fella, uh, this little kid um, that came out with my my son this weekend, Ove. He's a little Islander fella and real outdoorsy kid, which is why one of the reasons why that friendship's really great. Because Shady, uh, anyone that knows my boy, knows that he's like a, a he's a couch potato. If he if he's left to his own devices, he loves video games and watching movies and drawing, and he loves hanging out inside. And this year's been a real big improvement for him as far as making friends that get him out and about outside on the scooter and the bikes and climbing trees and rucking around and down on the beach and. So it was good to get his, one of his little outdoor friends um, out camping with us, who, who got him into a, you know dirty and got him out in the bushes and got him going into the into the river, which Shay would never have done on his own. So that sort of stuff's really cool, man. Um, watching them get outside and grow and overcome their things that they're uncomfortable with, and it's all it's all part of it, man. It's pretty cool because my boy is really um, an anxious sort of cat, um, just it's built into his personality. And he's kind of got low self-esteem at times as well. So over the years, we've really stuck with him uh, as far as trying new things and coming up with mechanisms to, to cope with anxious, you know, anxiety-inducing situations. And you know, he's at times it's been really difficult, man. Like at times, it's just it does. feel like he's not listening. You're not getting anywhere. You feel like, oh, what are we doing wrong as parents? Why is my boy? So, you know, so anxious and geared like this, wired like this, but we've stuck with it and 
having good kids around him and just being persistent. You know, he's he's started trying more things over the years, and it's pretty cool because he clearly at this stage has learnt that if he practices things, he can get better at them, and and then it's not like because he doesn't feel comfortable doing something or because he's not naturally gifted at it that it's just like ah oh, throw your hands in the air and give up on the whole thing. He's learnt to have a crack at things and then, oh, okay, I need to practice and listen and learn and I can get better at the thing and then I can do it. And so now he has a goal at things where he's uncomfortable because he's, you know, he's overcome that hurdle before in life. Whereas when he was younger, he'd never overcome that before. So he didn't have that feedback. So it was just like, I can't do it. I'm, it's too hard or I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. It's too hard. And now he's at a stage where he can go, okay, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is – it is uncomfortable, it is hard, but you know, I'll have a crack because I know that this has panned out well for me in the past. And he's always real proud of himself afterwards when he does things, when he puts himself in uncomfortable situations and, and does something he didn't want to do and then he comes out the other side and he can't stop talking about it. You know, oh, I did the thing, you know, Dad, that was making me uncomfortable. It's cool watching that pan out and, and, and watching the development of, of a little human uh, over the course of their life where he, he, clearly, he clearly knows now that he can, he, can, he can work on things and get better at them. That's cool. Righto, sorry, just had to whip the old singlet off. I've got no aircon in here at the moment in the van and it's getting a bit stuffy. It's not really a great place for the podcast in summer. I get the aircon cranking to cool the van down before I start the podcast, but I've got to turn it off when I start because it's right above me and you can hear it like in the background, which is just no good. And I didn't have it on for long enough today, so I'm a bit, bit warm, kind of hot in these rhinos. Um, so it was good to get out, mate, have a campfire. I took some Jarrah that I acquired from work, some big chunks of Jarrah out there. Uh, that, you know, we, we, we built that up and got in, got stuck in the firewood. It was a dusty old campsite, but there was gra- big grassy patches around on the riverbank and stuff, just like where we were specifically was a bit of a dust patch. So everything gets covered in dust. Your feet, your hands, the clothes, everything you put on the floor is covered in dust. The dog was covered in dust. The boys were covered in dust. Um, and I guess that's that's camping in the Pilbara, hey? You know, that's that's all sort of part and parcel of it. It was good to get out and, and yet again, just giving the boy those experiences. You know, things like that, going out for an overnight and just on the edge of a creek bed, uh, it's really more for the boy than it is for me. There's other things I could have done with my time this weekend, but it's just like... Get out to nature, have a look at the stars. We went for a walk once the sun was fully down and it was dark. It was peak darkness for the evening and walked away from the campfire, all four of us, and found a good patch through the trees where we could – because there was some nice trees around, which was pretty cool. Found a patch through the trees where we could look up and look at the stars, look at the Milky Way and talk to the boys about stars and space and stuff for 10 minutes or so, which was which was pretty cool as well, you know, because a lot of times people have never really had a good, like, good look at the stars, you know. Um, you don't see them when you're in town. You don't see them generally. You look up, you see a few little speckles up in the sky. You go out in the middle of nowhere. You get away from the light source. You get a clear night with no clouds. You look up, it's just it's just a spread, full spread, man. It's it's pretty cool, you know. My brother knows a bit about about space and what stars are probably what, you know, uh, some of the pro- prominent ones. And we're looking at constellations and talking about what the Milky Way is and the fact that we're on the, in this galaxy and we're out on one of the edge of a little arms of the galaxy and we're looking back through the rest of the galaxy and what that milky sort of cloudy appearance actually is you know and it's just cool to 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 have the kids have the boys get out and and have those experiences you know which was which was fun next stop 
for us will be the Heady Cup long weekend. We'll go out to uh, Karajini in the van, me the me and the missus and the, my daughter and son. Uh, we'll all go out to Karajini for the weekend. I haven't been for – the kids have never been. They've seen it on YouTube videos, tripping a van videos. But um, it's been 10 years since me and Ems have, have been there. Um, yeah, it would have been a good 10 years. We had a friend – a uh, good friend of mine growing up, Brooksy, Mad Dog Brooksy, who uh, that was probably 10 years ago. So maybe it might have been 11 years since I've been to Karajini, but it, it would have been 10 years ago. He um, he fell down the fell down Joffrey's Gorge out there at Karajini, fell to his death. He was about 28 years old, I think. Um, yeah, it was pretty – and a kind of – yeah, I didn't really want to go back there for a little while after that. And then we had the kids and the kids were too young. It was an awkward age. And now, you know, it's all come together again. It's our last year here. Uh, there's a few things we want to tick off that bucket list. And taking the kids to Karajini while we're so close and while they're a good age for it is is on the list for this year. Um, yeah, that thing with my mate Brooksy, that was, you know, he was a crazy dude, man. Like, he really was. He was just a, a you know, a lovable larrikin. He was a, he was a bogan, but just a real top guy. In his in his core, you know, good guy, man, and it was quite funny because I took Brooksy to a lot of different places. I, I went to a, to a private high school, um, and m- most of my friends didn't. They went to the real shithole, Clarkson High, and there were a real bunch of misfits and and bogans and little skater boys, and you know, from from. Rough backgrounds and broken families, and you know uh, 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 that all that kind of shit. And they were the kind of dudes that I hung out with, and then I went to this private school, so I had different groups of friends. And I had the the rich kids from the private school as well. We go to the parties with them on the weekend, and I'd bring the guys from from Quinns out and about these roughnecks. And you know, they're typically after a couple of introductions, or even after one or two introductions back in the day. They'd make friends, you know. I'd bring some roughnecks from some some scruffheads from my neck of the woods to one of these one of these, you know, Baptist college parties, and my friends would meet the other crew, and there'd be some connections there. There'd be a one of the boys would fall, you know, fall for a little rich girl and get themselves a little little private school girl girlfriend. That happened a fair bit, and and several occasions, uh, I remember specifically several occasions taking Brooksy out to some of these parties. Where, where dudes were just – they had never met a guy that looked like him. He was a big, broad-shouldered guy, just with a real – he'd often run like a mullet or or some sort of feral haircut and he'd wear flannel shirts and he'd be pumping back VBs and, you know, he had home-drawn tattoos on his arms and legs because he had a tattoo gun at home. He'd get drunk and tattoo himself and shit. And you saw him from the at first glance. You probably think like, "Who's this? Who is this psycho? Like, who is this cat? Who's like he looks like trouble?" And I specifically remember taking him to certain parties and having people like nervous around him for the first half hour, hour, and giving me this look like, "Why have you brought this dude out to to this party, man?" And I've just like got a bit of a, a knowing grin on my face, going, "Just wait." I wouldn't bring a fuckhead to the party. Like, just get to know the guy, you know? And I've even said that to people. I know he looks rough around the edges, mate. Just go have a chat to him and get to know the dude. And within an hour or two of being at the party, 
everyone knew Brooksy and everyone loved him. He was just that bloke. He was a lo- lovable larrikin, mate. He, he said what he, he shot from the hip, said what he thought. He, he was never, never nasty for no, for, you know, wasn't a nasty person. Like he was a scrapper. He got in his, his share of fights, but that was just because that's how we were, where we were running, the kind of crew that we run with, there was always trouble afoot, you know, and things would pop off and you'd get yourself involved. It wasn't because he went out looking for fights. Just, that wasn't him, mate. Fighting was kind of part of what we, it was just part of, it was, it was, it was all part and parcel of, of the kind of people we hung out with and the places that we went. But um, he, that wasn't him, mate. He was there for a good time. He was there to make friends. He was there to have a laugh. He was there to get bloody drunk. That's for damn sure. And he was the kind of dude that would go to a party and after a bottle of, you know, rum, normally he'd be drinking rum, he'd punch back, you know, half a carton of VBs and then get on the rums. He was an animal. He's the kind of dude that would find like the highest platform in the area, like a, a shed roof or a sea container or some sort of ledge and just start busting backflips off and shit, have a crowd around him like, yeah, chanting him on, climbing up. I remember one time he climbed up to the top of this massive pine tree in someone's front yard and like, you know how they get real thin near the top, you know, they're obviously like a tr- big triangle shape and he went up right as far as he could. Like, you know, I mean, it was years and years ago. I don't know if I can give you an accurate height of how far up I reckon he was, but high, real high, right? And then just got this thing rocking. This tree was like swaying because he's at the top from side to side, this massive pine tree, just looked like it was going to snap, man. I just remember there like, oh, my goodness, looking at Brooksy up there and people are standing around, yeah, chanting, trees just going mental in this front yard. He was just a nutcase, man. This was Brooksy, man. Um, heart of gold, no fear, absolute menace, just a nutcase. And they went camping at Karajini one Easter, long weekend, and, the boys woke up in the morning and he wasn't there. He was gone. And they found they went to the for a walk down to the gorge that was nearby where they were camping. And and I think they, as they went to the gorge, there was like like the rangers and, and rescue services and and all those types of people there. And they had the front the top of the gorge locked off. And they said you can't come down here. There's been a an incident. And the boys started asking questions. What's going on? We're looking for our mate. We're missing. He's missing. We haven't seen him all morning. We woke up and he's gone from camp. And and they said, well, you know, however the conversation went, essentially they said to him, there's a bot, you know, we've, we've identified a body at the bottom of the cliff. And, and, you know, they said, you know, put two and two together and described him with the big back tattoo and everything and said, that's, that's him, that's our, that's our mate. And he'd gone trying to free climb, been watching a lot of Bear grills at the time and he wanted to go free climbing some cliffs and he went to try to free climb one of these cliff faces and slipped off and fell to his death, mate. 28 years old. I remember speaking to his mum a few days later, a week or two later, and saying, oh, Linda, I'm, you know, I'm just so sorry, you know, what's happened with Brooksy? And I, I distinctly remember her saying to me, she goes, Dave, she goes, I've been waiting for this call for 10 years. She goes, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. I've been waiting for this call for 10 years. I know who Brooksy was. She goes, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that, that he died doing something he loved and not just something stupid like a car crash or because we'd lost people in car crashes and stuff growing up too. And I just thought, man, that's heavy. Like This dude, imagine his mum growing up with him, just this wild cat, just this just this mad bastard for a son who was just 100 miles an hour and she just knew that something was going to happen to her son eventually. It was kind of a matter of time. She got the call and she was obviously devastated and distraught, but just like... 
not being surprised. Imagine that with your kid just going, yeah, yeah, you fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, that's, that's fucking heartbreaking, man. Heartbreaking. I remember talking to a bunch of the lads he played footy with and shit growing up at his, at his funeral and boys that grew up with him went to school with him and going, like, this is a weird thing to think about. But I was like, hey, Aunt, do you guys ever remember Brooksy being sick? Did he ever, like, miss school and miss footy? I mean, I know he had days off because he was just out getting pissed and running amok, but, like, did he ever not come out because he had a flu? Or because he was unwell, and no one can ever remember this cat being sick. He was just this ball. Of, he was just this life form, man. He just had this force of nature. I couldn't imagine him staying at home because he had a fucking head cold. Like you know what I mean? He would just, he just fucking, he had too much energy, too much life in him, man. And it seemed like nothing, not even hangovers and shit, could slow him down. I, I remember him being around my house one night. It was like second or third of January, and I was going back to work early because I was broke and needed some money. He's around my house one night drinking. He goes, what are you doing tomorrow, Davo? And I was like, oh, I've got to go to work, bro. He goes, oh, fuck, yeah. I'll come to work. What are you doing? I said, oh, I've got to go clean the site up and dig out some trenches for the foot. He goes, fuck, yeah, I'll come dig some holes. And I was just laughing, going, yeah, righto, Brooksy, no worries, mate. I'll leave at five in the morning. He goes, yeah, all right, sweet, I'll be here. He ended up going through two bottles of rum or one and a half bottles of rum, something ridiculous. And, you know, you're going home at like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, that's the last I'll see of him for a couple of days. I was pretty dusty myself, and the the old alarm goes off in the morning. I hit snooze to to stay in bed for another 10 minutes, and then the phone starts ringing. I'm like, what the fuck? Couldn't even open the eyes, probably pick up the phone, like, click, hello? Davo. I'm like, oh, Brooksy, what's up? He goes, we going to work today? I was like, yeah, man. He goes, righto, I'll be out the front in 10. No worries, bro. So I get up, get myself ready, drive around his house. Sure enough, he's sitting out the front there, fucking bright as a whistle, just fucking ready to go. Jumps in the car, comes. He wasn't getting paid. He didn't work for, with Mimi. He come to work, just hung out, just to hang out. He felt like doing some fucking work, man, because he's a hyperactive little bastard that couldn't sit still for too long. So he came to work with me for the day. We put in a day's work, and I took him to the pub and bought him a feed and bought him some beers that afternoon. And that's just who he was, man. He was just a bloody mad bastard. I remember at his wake, he didn't have they didn't have a funeral for him, just the wake, just the party. <laughs> you know, they had a funeral with just family and then had a big wake for all his friends. I remember being at the wake and speaking to, to one of the lads there and he had his photo in his hand and he goes, There's a photo of of four of them sitting in the back of a Ute drinking V B and it was this one guy Speedy, J- Jared, this other guy Justin, they called Darkness. Um, my best mate growing up, Craig, and Brooksy. And he goes, man, this, this Craig goes to me, I'm the only one in this photo still alive. Speedy got stabbed to death one night after messing with the wrong cats and some some bad karma came back the wrong direction and he got caught up in, in, in Clarkson one night running around the streets getting chased by these two guys who cornered him at his friend's house and stabbed him to death in the backyard while he was screaming at the door trying to get in the house. Justin died in a stupid drink driving car accident um, with three or four other people in the car in the back street in like out, out, out bush somewhere on the way to Kalgoorlie or something, I think. He was early 20s. They were both early 20s. Brooksy died falling off a cliff in Karajini, 28 years old, mad bastard. None of those guys made it to 30. And then I remember Craig holding this photo going to me, I'm the only one left in this photo, man. And that was heavy. And then fast forward a few years later, probably two or th- 
maybe three or four years later, maybe five years later. And I was at Greg's funeral. He got stabbed to death as well by a junkie uh, at the front of his loser mate's house in in Marawa over a stupid argument. He went to fight some guy at the front of this house and this little junkie. You know, he went to fight this little junkie guy at the front of some guy's house over some stupid bullshit. And this guy got a kitchen knife and went out the front and stabbed him multiple, multiple times. Fucking bled out the fucking in his brother's arms out the front of the, the front of this shithole house in Marawar. And then I saw saw his girlfriend at the the, the funeral and she had the photo. <laughs> she goes, "I've got this photo." Craig kept because he was the only one left in the photo out of the four people, and it's like, and, and, and he's he's no longer dead. His four cats, only one of them made it to thirty. All all fucking dead, stupid deaths. Two of them stabbed to death. One in a car crash. One fell off a cliff. These are the cats I grew up with, man. And it was like a real. That was a real defining moment. Not defining moment for me. I'd already made choices. That was real. That that moment was really confirmed a lot of the life choices I'd made over the last 10 years and that leading up to that point because I left where I grew up with, where I was explaining to you before, Quinn's Rocks, a bunch of roughnecks, scruffheads, just, you know, bogan Aussie, Aussie, Aussie blokes getting in trouble, running them up, getting pissed, getting on into drugs, all sorts of other shit and it just started getting deeper and deeper and darker and darker as we got older and I'd got myself in a situation I didn't want to be in um, when we first left. 2011, you know, I got married and we hightailed out of there to get away from the life. I could see where it was going and I could see that I couldn't get myself out of that life being there. So we just fucking left town, moved up to Port Hedland and started to turn things around. There was a few other defining moments for me that I can talk about at another time that really helped me make the right decisions to move all that, leave all that life behind me. But, you know, I lost my friends doing that. Um, became estranged from from Craig, who I just spoke about, who was my best mate for a long time. Me, him, and another fellow, Daniel. We were the three three of us were best friends for a long time, and we were closer than brothers. And you know, some of the decisions I made, and some of the the, the decisions he made, sent us in different directions. And we were estranged at the end. There, you know, I remember the last time I saw Craig, he was hanging out with some fucking losers, junky looking guys. In the shopping centre, and I walked past him, and I saw him. I was just down visiting from up here in Headland, and I saw him, and, and I ducked off down a different route because I wanted to. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to see him and have to have some awkward conversation with him that would make me sad because he was looking like you know unhealthy and hanging out with losers and shit. And that was real sad to me. And then the next time, you know, yeah, the next thing I hear, he's been, been stabbed to death on Boxing Day. <laughs> Had an argument. With his brother or with someone in the family at Christmas Day, and they fucked off and went around to one of their Darrow loser mates' houses, and on, on Boxing Day he got stabbed to death by a piece of shit loser out the front. You know, it was this kind of confirmation moment to me. I was like, this is why I made decisions to to change my life and move in a direction. I had to make a lot of sacrifices doing that. Left a lot, of, left a lot of friendships behind, and you know that was really hard, mate. But that's like, this is why. This is why all these young guys are dead, you know. A lot of these young guys are dead, man. And, and and a lot of the ones that aren't dead just still have no direction in life, man. You know, these these cats that I grew up with, I was just as bad as everyone else. I was I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a grand scheme. I wasn't smarter than anyone else. I was just another little Darrow, pothead, Quinn's feral running amok with everyone. 
But at some point, you know, you start making a few little decisions here and here that send you on a slightly different course and then you can see, oh, there's some better decisions are down this road and you start making more choices, more choices, hanging out with higher quality people. They're not higher quality people, but people who are making better choices with their lives and then, you know, one thing leads to another and you know, 10, 15 years later I'm here with, 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 with a family and a good job and a good career and money behind me and goals and dreams and hopes and really trying to become the best person I can in life and the people I hung out with, people I call best friends and you know, a, lot of them are fucking, a lot of them are fucking dead and a lot of them are just in the same boat they were in when I left them, just doing fucking nothing, getting pissed, getting fucking fucked up on drugs, spending all their money, working shit jobs, just their bodies are deteriorating. We're in our 40s nearly now. We're in our 30s and late 30s and just watch these kids, these kids, these guys just fucking destroy their lives, man, you know? Um, that's one, one reason why I'm kind of passionate about trying to help younger cats who I meet through work and stuff make some good decisions in life because you see in them they're young and they're vibrant and they're full of so much life and you see the decisions that they're making and it's all fun and games when you're 22, 23, 24. You just bounce back from every fucking encounter that you have. But if you don't start making better decisions at some point in time they start to wear on you they wear on your mentality more losses make you start feeling like a loser they wear on your body more hangovers more come downs start taking away you from your energy from your life source from your health you know poor friends help keep you stuck in a cycle where you're making poor decisions and it, it, it's something that i'm kind of passionate about man um just uh, with me, I guess I always want to try and lead by example, and I certainly haven't been in. A, although I've made some good decisions with life, and I know I'm in a far better position than I was ten years ago, and 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 I'm heading in the right direction. I just don't feel like I've achieved what I want to achieve in life yet, so it is hard for me to try and drop wisdom on other on the younger generation. But I do feel like I've got a lot to offer them if they if they're there and they want to listen, man. Because I don't want to see these young cats keep making poor decisions and go down the, the direction I've seen a lot of my friends go down, you know, and that I nearly went down. So, yeah. Oh, goodness. And I think I feel like with this big decision, leaving Headland and moving forward and next chapter of my life, like there's a lot of decisions and a lot of changes that need to be made for me as well because although I've made those leaps and bounds and come a long way from where I was, I've been at a point before where I was really proud of the person I am and the man I was, and I'm, I'm not there right now anymore. Um, not because I'm a bad person, but I feel there's a lot of things about me that I'm not happy with. There's certain things that I'm doing in life that I need to change and I haven't changed, and, and, and I feel you know judgmental on myself because I'm down on myself because of them. And a lot of it has to do with you know the compromises I've had to make for work, the role I've had in this town, you know, contracting for a company like BHP, like you're just always making compromises. Um, I actually feel like I like I have to play. A, play. I don't know life's about compromises, but it needs to. It needs to. There needs to be some balance in those compromises. You know, I feel like I'm at a point now, and I've been at this point for a while, where, where I'm like I'm playing a character at work. You know, I'm playing a character because there's certain things I have to do and say and be seen to be supportive of and because of my job you know and 
and I spend so much time at work and I spend so much time playing that character that it almost feels like like that character is is I spend more time in that role than I do as myself. So then I've lost track of who who am I? If I'm always making compromises, if I'm acting out this character to appease people at work, like I'm not really my own man. And how can I then talk to other people about standing on your own feet and and being a man and making the right decisions and, you know, you do fucking, you know, if you make the right decisions in life, you can get really, you know, you, you can really get somewhere in life. Yet here I am playing a character that I'm not happy with, you know. So I do feel like I've got to make some big changes and I really need to find who I am again. I feel like I know who he is and I know where he is and I need to scratch underneath the surface and get him out, but I really need to get out of, which is another part of the reason why we're doing this big trip around Oz is, is I need to get myself back. I need to get away from this um, out of this situation, you know, where where I to effectively do what I do to make money to support my family, I have to play a character, man. It's just it's it's like self censoring, you know. So yeah, it's definitely going to be like a soul searching kind of journey. Around the country and, and really finding who I am again, getting my like, freedom back, freedom of, of speech, freedom to be myself, stop self censoring myself, stop thinking about caring about what other people think about me because it doesn't look professional or I need to be, you know, I'm representing someone else's company or, you know, or, or I'm adhering to, to, to the rules of another company that we contract for that I don't really believe in. I need to just. You know, get through this year, not mess it up, do the right thing, get through this year, and then moving forward next year, really just need to fucking find who the hell Dave is again, man. And I want to find him and bring him out and bring him into the sunshine, let him walk around and feed him and water him and let him grow. And I hope that that comes through on this fucking podcast because that's what I'm trying to do, man. I'm trying to find who I am again and and trying to connect with people again because, you know, Another thing about my role at work is I keep people at arm's length, mate. I, I sort of have to to effectively do the job. That's the only way I know how to do it. I want to be able to connect with people again just to, as who I am, you know, not as a specific to- job title or a role, you know. So, yeah. Um, that's about all i got time for, man, because I'm cooking in this caravan now. Um, so I know we went deep there, took you on a little bit of a journey through my past, and some of the decisions I made to, to move forward and become a, a better human and why I did that and the confirmation I've got doing that off other events that took place in my life. And, yeah, I hope that that's something you guys find interesting and get something out of. And you know me a little bit better now as well. Um, then that's it for, for today's episode, episode number 156, 57. Average Man Podcast, haven't got a song for it yet, I'll get one sorted, get this biatch published this evening, I'm roasting, I'm going to go inside, kick it with the family, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, if you're listening, tell 10 of your mates to go on Instagram and hit the follow button, haven't forgotten about it you little motherfuckers, come on here listening to me, spilling my guts out. Taking time out of my Sunday afternoon to come do this. Give me your fucking, throw me a freaking bone here, mate. Go get 10 of your mates to follow me on Instagram. Let's get those numbers up. Start drilling the numbers. I want these podcasts to get some traction, mate. Some some traction and start doing some decent numbers. So I can uh, make it worthwhile on traveling around the country. All right. Take it easy. Peace out. Episode number 157, Average Man Podcast. Over and out. Peace. <laughs>